how's it going? Welcome to ha- the Bloody Stream Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Jorge. And it's... I didn't say and. Fuck. <laughs> Did you say I'm Jorge? I just said I'm Jorge. You said it. I guess I was expecting you to also say it. I realize now that you don't. Um... I never say and. Yeah, I'm sick today, so I'm yes. gonna need everybody to just like sit down and let me <laughs> let me just have this one today. All right. Also, it's fucking October. It's it's October. The month. See, I would have normally just skipped right away, but we can't skip during Halloween. It's we this- really can't. Jorge is powering through. I need everyone. Um, whenever you're listening to this, it won't matter because it all coalesces up in the sky at the right time. Uh, I need you to do the whole spirit bomb thing. And hold your arms up and give your energy so that Jorge can get through this month. <laughs> yeah. You should actually hold your arms up, though. Hold your arms it's, up. It's yeah. really important that you do that. And I can tell that you are not doing that yet. Yeah. Hey. Ooh. And now I feel better yeah. because okay. of that, that. the half of you that actually did put your arms Thank up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. But yes, yes. This, this is a bloody stream. Um, we did the <laughs> you intro. Know uh, you know that. You're here. Uh, I want to... Me- Do I mention movies that there's a good chance that we're going to be doing soon? Just in case we don't Yeah, we've do done it. them because we've we've ended up having mentions that became episodes. So yeah, yeah. no, no. Mentions... Yeah. A couple of things I watched. Uh, okay. I did I did finally get around to watching X. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, I'm just a smiley face on it. I will That's be perfectly honest. fine. Uh, again, with Ty West, same thing as House, House of the Devil... Which also gets a smiley face from me. I do want to say very specifically from me, because it's not that the the movies are like they're all aesthetic, you know. Like yes, the movies are a thousand percent like, That's hey, we're point. making a seventies film, and the aesthetic is it completely like, done correctly. Yeah, yeah. But one of the things I struggle with about seventies horror films, if they're not super good, is that they can be quite slow and absolutely, um, you know. Uh, that whole thing so it's just that's for me that's not a that's not a statement on the general quality of the film that's just that's how i personally those... feel about it yeah i'm i'm narrative and like things happening and like all that not more over aesthetic you know? i was gonna say that's one of the things that i love about like doing a review thing is the audience like our listeners get a sense of like what we see as it so even if we're like ooh. I would give that like a not uh, you know I, I would yeah. only give that a smiley face. It's if they're into that stuff, they go, "Ooh, I should definitely check this out." Like yeah. if people like slow, atmospheric seventies movies, seventies mm-hmm. style movies, and Jorge goes, "Ugh, it's kind of whatever," then all of a sudden it's like, "Hey, wait a minute, I should check that out." And that's the thing is like if it, I think it's hurt by the fact that it gets judged on like a modern horror movie level. A little bit, yeah. Just as a seventies. Film, I'm like maybe maybe even like uh, Mr. Cool for like what for you know being amongst the rest of them, but you know it's yeah being yeah, made yeah. now and its colleagues are of a different different position. You know, I know. Uh, but yes, and I I like to clarify when I mean like personal opinion versus like because there's a lot of movies where we're like nope, this one objectively we can very easily very good, yeah. very bad. Hundred you know, percent. This one I think is just a little polarizing. If you want to hear my views on X, you can go listen to the Bloody Stream episode because that was yeah. a, a rare solo one. Yeah. Because I saw it in theaters instead of when it was on streaming. We also uh, watched The Night House. Ooh. That's a that's a relatively new, I want to say 2021? Yeah, something like that. Starring uh, the, the woman. scientist from... 
from Skull Island in uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, she does very good in it. I would... Uh... It's the best way to reference who that is. I do want to do an episode on this one. There's some very cool things in it. Uh, okay. I'm going to give it a Mr. Cool, probably. It's one Ooh. of those things where there's just... You got to kind of dig into it to be able to talk about it good, but there's some like really good things that are done in it. And then like always, you know, people have a little bit of difficulty with the endings and like, there's, there's stuff to be discussed. They could okay. honestly start a Mr. Cool and go either direction. This is feeling like one that's going that you, people are going to listen to this and look at the ep- the later episodes and just find the night house like almost immediately. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I watched it specifically because I'm like, just from looking at the trailer and the description of this one, like this one could be an episode. I am sure yeah. of it. And I was correct. Okay, you know, we learn how to spot these, right? We will, we will absolutely probably check that out. Um, As I have one mention, which was (laughs) I did watch Halloween three season of the witch. I love that one. I think it's pretty good. I I think it's honestly for talk about (laughs) talk about slow and boring sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that movie can drag but its highlights are very good yes. to the point also the three masks in it are it's like which skull pump- about the which yeah. skull pumpkin which reminded me so much of ghost skull alien that i yeah. was like ooh, this is perfect like this is great we should have um, made it which yeah. skull pumpkin we weren't thinking we yeah <laughs> i mean well ghost skull alien was something that i threw out as a joke yes. like just looking at the emojis and yeah. We had no come on, there was no effort at the beginning of this yeah. podcast. Witch Skull Pumpkin's pretty funny. Witch Skull Pumpkin is very good. <laughs> it we also might... kind of flows. I don't know. We gotta we're gonna have to we're gonna have to workshop that a little I bit. I kept looking at the order that they were in in a lot of the shots and uh-huh. it's all over the place, you know, like yeah, each yeah, one. That makes sense. And I just I kept thinking of the syllables and I'm like, Ghost Skull Alien. Okay. That's what it is. It's Witch one skull one multiple. Pumpkin. Okay, that's that's close enough. It's like it's pump. there. No, yeah, it's it's one one multiple. Exactly. Syllables. Yes. So it works we'll out have to do a little And skull stays right in the middle. Skull never leaves because yeah. For anybody who doesn't know, uh, season of the witch is the only one of the Halloween series that is not Michael Myers based. It was um, when they were going to Halloween two had happened, and John Carpenter, Carpenter was like, "I'm not making another one of these. I'll produce this, but I'm not like making it." Um, and then they were like, he was like, I'm not doing more Michael Myers fucking here. Do something completely different. Let's make it. I thought that it was like film style. Like they were always supposed to be anthology movies, but I'm not sure. It's just weird for like, for me personally, it's weird that two movies are in that are direct sequels to each other is a direct sequel to the first one. That's an anthology series. You know what I mean? Like that feels odd. Um, but I, I'm i not the biggest fan of Michael Myers, honestly, uh, and the Halloween series in general. Yes. Like, I like some other... I'm, like, Friday 13th over Halloween Easy. Uh, <laughs> and so, I don't know. Something about Season of the Witch, I'm, to break up the Michael Myers action when you're when you're doing a power watch, I'm like, yeah, they'd bring it. I, mean, I was going to say... Does, it gets particularly good in retrospect, like yes. when it's sitting in your memory and all the many, many boring uh, pacing problems have Fade been cut away. out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, when you're just yeah. getting the good stuff, you're like, and you just like shit. think back to it, like, hey, that movie was kind of <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and then you show great. it to people and you're like, I'm sorry. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> you're say you're desperately going, see, that's awesome, periodically throughout the yeah. movie. <laughs> see, I told you, just 
just don't think about it super hard right now and think about it later. Just wait another just wait another 20 minutes and definitely skip past the part where the man and woman have sex and then afterwards he asks how old she is. Let's completely oh. skip over that part. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of having sex in a horror movie, what film are we talking about today, Jorge? Well, today we're talking about Hellraiser. Which yes! It's going to be kind of important for this podcast, given that that's where the lament configuration comes from and has been oh my God. mentioned in every episode. Did you even you're, think about that? We sort of dawned on me just yeah. now. Just when you were watching yeah. it? Just yeah, yeah. Well, about, while yeah. he was doing exactly the thing I described in the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, I get to see. Yeah, we can come back to that. Uh, of course. Uh, as we get to the spoiler, to, to open the spoiler configuration. Um, but you can actually catch uh, Hellraiser in a few different spots. There's a couple, That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, Amazon Prime Video, Hoopla, Hoopla! Shudder, and Tubi TV are usually the ones that we mentioned. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Hoopla, if you've forgotten, Hoopla. Hoopla and Canopy are services that you can get for free by signing up for your, pi- pi- your public Whoa. library. Hey, hey, I'm sick. sick. <laughs> Say the thing. Streaming isn't hard with a library card. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Say the thing. <laughs> Dance. I just I'm always worried that I'm gonna mess it up because I can only need improv. I'm bad at performance. Any sort of bit any, any sort of where I have to repeat the same thing, you know. Um, the oh. rating for Hellraiser. How do you even rate Hellraiser? It's like so hard for me to dif- to divorce it of the fact that it is directed by Clive Barker, who is one of my favorite horror writers. Yeah. Um, and is gay, which you know I know that shouldn't matter, but it matters for if, <laughs> if you if you want more queer media. Like the fact that one of the biggest horror authors, you know, such a prolific and like well known horror writer. Yeah. Being uh, a queer like. Yeah, he's my he's like yeah. my number one queer icon uh <laughs> and so we get so much from this movie and yeah. the hellbound heart is awesome and clive barker's also responsible for like candy man and all these other yeah. things yeah uh, read the re- folks if you can get the first volume of the books of blood it just read all the books of blood so yeah. fuck read all of them but start at the first one because yeah that one First has like winner after winner. Like, there's nothing. There's no notes in that. One. Like, it's yeah. all fucking. There's good. and there's, it's not just things like the Hellbound Heart Correct. Hellraiser. It's there's just stuff you would never expect. Like mm-hmm. the Yattering and Jack, I will never forget. <laughs> is like so fucking funny, and still a horror story kind oh, of. Absolutely. I mean, like it's it's wild. The Yattering and Jack and In the Hills, the cities are Amazing, yeah. two that I will literally never forget. Like, incredible. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I would have this movie overall. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give it Ghost Skull Alien, even yeah. though like was, it's it, like no. <laughs> well, we think about the rating system, right? And it's yes. like you have to watch Hellraiser. You simply must. Yeah. I, like if you are interested at all in having a horror education, I will ensure that you watch Hellraiser. It, it is in the default early on yeah. in the curriculum. You know, hundred um, percent. That being said, like you know unbiased like strip out all of yep. that and look at it just as a movie we do drop down into more of a mr cool area i think i was gonna say um from although yeah again it is tough because if it was like say I, i'm gonna use the way to the way to like couch that is like 
treating the premise or like the things in it generic. So let's mm-hmm. say they were ghosts or vampires or something yeah. like that. You're right. I would probably go down to Mr. Cool. Yeah. I would still recommend it, but like it would be whatever. The originality and the creativity mm-hmm. and the fact that what it does, you know, launched a thousand ships sort of thing um, is what definitely bumps it up to a ghost skull alien. Yeah, but even the, um, and it's like the Cenobites, the, yeah. the lament configuration, like all that stuff is touched way less in the movie. And yeah. stuff that you hear about outside, really. Because it's not it's never referred to as the lament configuration in the movie. It's Lima Sharn's no. box. Yeah. Uh the Cenobites, they don't really explain what their deal is, but there's a much grander mythology behind them, which is part of what makes them so cool. Yes. Um there's also stuff like the engineer, who is that that monster <laughs> that's like chasing after them that you yes, like wouldn't right. understand why he's called the engineer. I don't know why he's called the engineer. <laughs> Uh, you don't, it doesn't really make sense. because he there's, runs like a choo-choo train? <laughs> it's, there's a, there's a bunch to it that is mythology sure. that exists outside of the movie as well, right? And like, if that... In like other was, media or uh, like in books? Or some like... of it's from the Hellbound Heart. Okay. Like a lot of it's from the Hellbound Heart, which was that written a year prior and is a novella and, uh... Barker, God, I listened to that so many years ago now. I gotta, yeah, he wrote it with the intention of adapt. filming it. Yes, because he had had two films made prior on his work that he wasn't happy with, and he wanted to direct one, and so he. I don't he did know. The whole thing. I know one of them was Rawhead Rex, and <laughs> I've seen the images of it. And I, Clive, I completely understand. I'm so sorry, Clive. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Clive. I forget what the other one is. Uh, uh, but yeah, 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 it's yeah. So it's a little complicated in its rating, and it's also like it's a ghost skull alien. There's no, there's no complication. There's no, there's no contest about it being ghost skull alien. But it's also like we watch these movies so many times, like the classics. That yeah. like when I was watching it today, you know, I'm in my it's beginning of October. There's a bunch of horror films I want to watch, and I'm like, I don't want to watch something I've already seen before. And I'm kind of like, let's come on, Frank, let's get let's get through it. I got other shit to watch here. So you know, you get you get a little used to it, right? Um, I don't know. Some like I think I've watched it a lot of times. That's right? I was gonna say. I think the amount, the sheer amount of times, true. Yes. I when when we, when we get into it, I will talk about some things. We're like, eh, and then other things. We're like, I have to stop and do yeah. that again because holy shit! Like, no, it's, I mean, it's am, it's amazing. The uh, things are all like, uh, uh, not even pacing exactly, but kind of in that realm of complaints. Uh, okay it's not it's not pacing but it's like it's it's like narrative stuff it's not um like structure or like something like that so well we'll, we'll cool. i'll yeah. see i'll see it when we pass it uh <laughs> Unbelievable. Rather, rather and obviously no problems with the, the centibites or anything like that yeah, of course uh, warnings perfect. for this one so animal violence there are rats the rats that get yes. fucked up yeah. um this is also um you may not have seen horror films like this, depending on what kind of stuff you watch. It's very easy to end up watching just like a bunch of serial killer ghost movies and not get into uh, movies that have body horror. Really, is what it, is what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, body horror, which can be very intense for some people, and Absolutely. it's um, the 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 perversion within horror films of the fusion between pleasure and pain, and like all these these sights to show you. You know, like it's a whole different vibe and world that you may not want to subject yourself to (laughs) i was gonna say if you remember if folks remember from like some trailers would have um 
they would have the descriptors of why something is PG-13 or R or whatever. And yeah. the one that I always remember coming up in PG-13 ones was suggestive themes. This is the most suggestive themes movie in a while. Like, well, these suggestive were suggestive the, themes. These were the themes that they were suggesting. <laughs> so, like, there's were no suggestion. <laughs> Sorry, these are explicit. Yeah, yeah they're just saying them. Uh, but yeah, yeah this oh, also but, had an X rating before. This they, got cut I down know, to an R rating. They, when they first made it, nobody, mm-hmm. everybody was like, "We are not putting They're that like, in no. theaters." <laughs> <laughs> so they had to cut it into something more palatable. Exactly. Uh, so not this, that it's even that intense by today's standards. Don't think it's like completely wild. Like I no. would say, probably like Dead Ringers is more disturbing. Um, this one is. Oh, this one's okay. Just like straight, uh, kind of body horror stuff, and like, yeah. but not even as much as like Cronenberg or anything like that. You know, it's yeah. Um. I don't know. I do. I don't find this one as disturbing as as, as some other stuff. So. Correct, but I think yeah, I, I but agree. it's definitely. I, I agree. All I'm saying it's like it's from that same world, though. It's in that yeah. bubble. It's just not necessarily yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for the vibe. Hmm. <laughs> I, 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 Hellraiser is the 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 stick by which the others are measured. I was gonna say it's sort of its own vibe. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely got like uh, '80s film. Uh, like quality vibe not it is yes. a low budget movie like i don't believe they had much of a budget for this yeah it's low uh but it doesn't feel like that honest for me they do a pretty good i mean again for a low budget and for a actual first time director mm-hmm. doing that it's pretty fucking good like from a no. quality like, technical standpoint yeah. it, it does not feel you like this takes place in like a house and there's like one or two sets they probably had to use for like a day. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it it's very efficient with its money. I'll say that. Like he must have had other directors with more experience, like helping him out with getting those shots. I'm assuming like the like technical team. Or I was gonna say, yeah. yeah, like the technical team on this was very. Because my much. main my main thing was the uh, the like the fact that like the lighting, the camp, the quality of the cameras, like the positioning, the shots. None <laughs> of it has that that B horror movie feel, right? Yeah, Clive. Clive Barker has a quote about going, I couldn't tell, you know, I didn't know the difference between a 10 millimeter lens and a fucking 35 millimeter lens. If you had told, oh, if you'd shown me a plate of spaghetti and said that was a lens, I might have <laughs> believed you. Like, <laughs> he was just babe in the he's woods. A, he's a funny full, man. like, thing. Yeah, I can uh, tell he's a writer. <laughs> yeah. He's a fucking really good writer, too. He's so fucking good. There's some, I mean, like, because his, his stories are some of the most imaginative and yeah. just, like, unique novel things. Uh, another one who had stuff like that, obviously, like, Lovecraft had very unique and new ideas, but he was yes. kind of a terrible writer. I mean, it's not that he was, like, super bad. It's, it's just, like, rougher. Yeah. Dude, like, get your head out of your own butt. He's a guy who you can tell doesn't like speaking to people. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that, it's clear in the writing that he's not a conversationalist. Yeah, he's yeah, a, he definitely a reader. He re- <laughs> uh, <laughs> owned, pwned, H pwned. pwned Lovecraft. How about that? But yeah, it's kind of standard eighties movie until scenes where Cenobites show up, and then it's just yeah. like, um, it starts diving into like I don't know how to describe it, but like the nineties uh, Edge Lord vibes, you know. <laughs> like the Matrix, or like, uh... yeah. There's a lot of like, 
a fair amount of leather going on yeah. with like the Cenobite situation, which gives you that feeling of mm-hmm. that sort of neo. Well, the the lighting changes thing. to it as well. You know, there's not as much green as like the Matrix or anything. No, of course that. not. The, yeah, uh, there's not there's not a lot of filtering in the lighting. It's a lot of in camera stuff. Like yeah. the lighting physically changes on set, and it's like. And there's just weird things like a rotating pillar with bits of flesh on it and they show up and, multiple times and they yeah. start clanging around you're like what the hell is going on and it gets a much bigger part in two or three i forget uh, oh yes i think yeah. three but either way yeah um, uh yeah that's the vibe but that's the thing is like all these things were quite novel at the time that they yes. came out and now other things have that like the hell right is revived you know like it's it's, it's exactly its own, yeah it's, its own thing now um, Which even mainly mainly this, in those like Cenobite yes. scenes, not the rest of it is like kind of standard eighties. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Again, in the sense of the themes that are being like discussed and kind of pushed to their limit, I'll say is probably the biggest difference. In that, a lot of things, even like you know erotic thrillers and stuff, because that was big uh-huh. in the eighties and early nineties, sort of thing. Um, think like Fatal Attraction, stuff like that, mm, yeah. where everyone's horny, but also like, oh, someone's going to fucking kill somebody. Um, this like pushes that into that horror realm where pleasure and pain don't mean the same thing or mean the same thing very specifically. And everybody has different definitions. It's, it's interesting um, in that yeah. regard in how far it pushes that. It's interesting also because it like that, it almost completely exists in the realm of the Cenobites. Uh, mm. We don't see a lot of like normal human sexuality then pushed into that direction. They're, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with one exception, but it's not really like pushed into that direction. We see them like very separately. You know. Um, yeah. You th- you think there'd be more themes of like current human sexuality like progressing into like the world of the Cenobites? If only. Uh, Mike Barker didn't want this movie to show up nowhere, Jorge. <laughs> he wanted people you, to see the film, and they did. <laughs> so should you watch the movie first? I mean, this one's not really heavy on the spoilers. Yeah. This is a this is a classic, and if you haven't seen it and you don't know what happens in it, um, why not just give yourself the pleasure Absolutely. of going in and not knowing what's going to happen, yeah. uh, since it is like a good movie? But no, it's not going to completely ruin your experience. This is a very visual movie. This is like very conceptual. Correct. And a lot of it is like you understand the co- concepts and you think about it and you're like, wow, Hellraiser. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rather than anything that's like physically happening. You kind of yeah. the horror what's going to happen as you go, you know. Precisely. The horror isn't a mystery part of it. Mm-hmm. It's the horror is knowing exactly what's in store. You know what I mean? Like. That's the yeah. dread of the Cenobites is the strange and confusing world that they offer, like, to yeah. take you to sort of thing. Um, so, like, not knowing isn't going to spoil your experience. Um, speaking of which, let's let's go ahead and, and pop open the spoiler configuration. Absolutely. We before are. You, before you do oh, it, please. though, I did uh, – Shannon mentioned uh, while watching this that – you always call it the sensual thumb circle, but they never use their thumb in the movie. They, which I was like half aware of, but I didn't. I didn't never said anything because I'm like, of course, yeah. I don't know for sure that they don't use it in any of the Hellraiser. So what I noticed, this is what I noticed. The phrase specifically "sensual thumb circle" is uh-huh. wrong because the people who would be sensual with it, yeah. do not use their thumb. 
Pinhead open uh does do the circle part mm-hmm. when he's re- when he's clo- when they're closing the box, but it's with their finger. Yeah. And Frank, I think you only see him push the button in. Mm. Kirsty, one hundred. I looked. They do use their thumb. It's uh. clumsy. They use it for like one turn, but they yeah. do that thumb circle to like partially open it. It's just not sensual. So right. I apologize, folks. With my with the spoiler configuration, though, yeah, my thumb is always thumb sensual. It's, it's also lo- that that term is also locked in now. Exactly, it's too late. Yeah. It's too late, baby. Um, yeah, that's for my own. It's for my own yeah. box that I deal with. Okay, leave me alone. Don't fucking whatever. But we're sitting in that fucking English ass house in that creepy ass room on our shitty mattress. Doing a sensual thumb circle to well, see, open. Now, the, here's the other thing is that the, the, the mattress is actually in one of the bedrooms downstairs and not in the attic, you know? Which I've also always... They, I thought, you know, we were all just, like, condensing it into, like, one thing where I didn't first really First of all, the mattress stuff is 100% hellbound heart in terms of where he oh. does it. Because he doesn't even do it... He doesn't even open the box on a mattress in the movie. He has the candles around it to open yeah. the spoiler configuration anyway yes so he yeah. like where he is is he's kneeling down he's got all the candles around but it's just on the floor they do show his um room yeah where he's got a shitty little mattress that's sort of a splitting of the things that were the condensed part in hellbound heart yeah yeah i gotta say frank I'm a book let's theorist, go, okay? Leave me alone. <laughs> let's go. Uh, it's a novella. Uh, let's go back through. Uh, I'm not actually, that theorist, let's, I guess. <laughs> let's just hit up the whole plot for people that haven't watched okay. the movie. Um, we open with uh, Frank, who we'll learn more about in a little bit, yes. uh, purchasing the Lament Configuration, which is a, a puzzle box. It's like a, it's a cube uh, with black and gold sides. Mm-hmm. And he takes it home and, like, you do the... the this is the spoiler configuration that we're always talking about, right? Exactly you, like, move around little pieces. You, like, lift things up. You put them back buttons. down. Yeah, like, they come up. You move them over. You change them. The, yeah. The cube changes, like, shape. There's, like, things that slide in and out of it. Uh, yeah, there's this. Then th- there's a there's a circle on one side where you can do a sensual thumbing of it and, like, <laughs> click it. And it's supposed to be notoriously difficult to open, Yet every like character in any nails. movie never has an issue. They opening nail it, it perfectly. Um, but they, Frank pops it open and gets. You don't really see what happens to him. He mostly you just see a bunch of like chains and shit come out and and, and tear, yes. tear him apart. Um, and I I did reread the the opening to the Hellbound Heart, so oh, I'll hell come yeah. back okay. around for all the the book differences towards the end. Thank you. Um. And then we cut to Frank's brother, who is arriving with Larry. his yeah Larry, uh, who's arriving with his new wife, not new wife, but like second wife. Sorry. Yes. Uh, absolutely. To to this house to the same house, which we find out is the uh, is their like childhood home, mm-hmm. and uh, he has this son, uh, da- daughter, no Kirsty. <laughs> uh, we find out Great that name. the that the wife. What's what's the way Julia name? Julia, the a week before her wedding to him, oh. uh, before her wedding to Larry, yeah. uh, his brother Frank had shown up for the wedding and ended up sleeping with her, and yep. she was like she became obsessed with him, 
because uh, he was so hot about how he did it. And this is one of the first things I want to talk so about. So like, erotic. <laughs> so the reason that Frank open like gets uh, what in the movie is called Le Marchand's box, uh, canonically known as the Lament configuration, uh, the reason that he gets it is because he has experienced all pleasures that earth has to offer and yeah. has found himself wanting more and so he does that because it's promised to like have unworldly like pleasure exactly to, goes to past extreme. what you would think of yeah yeah and so when the he's been high like they see the evidence that he had been hiding out in the home before he got taken away by the cenobites which we haven't seen at this point yet no we 100 percent did oh we did see them they so the sorry to do the tech the scene by scene folks but the thing, the hooks come out of the box, cuts mm-hmm. away, and then it shows the results. So you see, that's where we get our first spinning posts. Like, we yeah. look back in the room, it's all hooks and shit. And they're walking around to the point where Pinhead is grabbing pieces of Frank's face and slops them down on the ground. So, like, kind of putting them back that. together. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, I don't remember yes. seeing him. Which I love. Uh, it's a little piece of acting, but just... The way Pinhead is, aka lead Cenobite, does not get called Pinhead until like later movies, um, is just like casually rummaging through the flesh pile to find like an eye and then just like slops it down together. I'm like, yeah. you're a sick fucker. I love this. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> please continue. Yeah, it's good. Uh, but I was, what I was going to make fun of is that Frank, um, when Uh-oh. they find uh, the the wife Julia, yes. like when she's alone, finds pictures of him with other women. She keeps the picture for herself because she's obsessed with him. But there's a bunch of he clearly sleeps with all the ladies. Everybody thinks he's super hot. Yes, all this stuff. But at the same time, like he sleeps in absolute filth. Like his yeah. he's got the dirtiest mattress in the world. He leaves food until it's like rotting and stuff. I mean, I guess some squalor. of that rotting yeah, rotting like- food was from him not being there anymore to clean it but he clearly doesn't clean up after himself you know and it's just like i'm not saying you gotta be super clean it's just like who's coming back with him to that dirty i mean it's part of what happens in this movie as well that also makes you go like and thankfully the characters realize it when it happens but yeah like he's disgusting he's a gross little man like (laughs) when you're too busy getting all the pleasure he does get if your all life pleasure. is 100% looking for pleasure, then, yeah, every who the fuck cares about anything else? Like, yeah. I don't know. Well, uh, so... <laughs> Either way. They're hanging out. Uh, <laughs> Julia finds out... Nobody is hanging out in this movie. It does not... Well, well when they're, when in they're, the when unfortunate they're, sense. When they're moving in, uh, Larry cuts his hand. He goes up to the attic to show Julia. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> Can't he even dro- look... He drops some blood on the ground, and that is enough to resurrect Frank from wherever he's been with the Cenobites um, as a gross, like, mostly, like, bone bone blood thing on the ground. Um, Julia runs into him, and he convinces Julia to serial kill people for him so he can drink more More blood to become more formed. Uh, At some point, let's, let's start there, first of all. Okay. What? We can get because the rest of it's kind of the ending, right? Oh, uh, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, during like one of the other things I want to talk about is the the father Larry. He's one of the reasons why I consider the rest of the movie to just kind of be uh, the vibe. Obviously, that's not the same shit going on, but the vibe of a standard '80s horror film because he's okay. like the father is nice and he cares about his daughter and he's making normal 
like adult white men quips at things, you know, like the dinner party, like he's pleasant to be around, you know, yeah, he seems like a good in guy. the movie, like you're, you're fine with him being there. Like Kirsty genuinely likes him. They have a good relationship except for Julia being there. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's not super likable. He's like, he's a likable enough character. He's like a little goof, which yeah. again, which I think he's a is a goof perfect, is the thing. He's like an eighties goof. But I think bit. that's perfect because that trope pushes, like it's the perfect thing of Julia clearly on some level this is the this is the on, my interpretation of what i was seeing and i might have been explained more in the novella i don't remember um mm-hmm. in this julia is very clearly actually in love with larry like or at least enjoys yeah. him on on an honest level maybe he isn't like fully in love right. but like likes him clearly enough to get married like clearly that's a f- solid relationship and the fr- like Frank's stuff sort of I don't want to say infects, but like it gets in, it unlocks that part of her that is looking for that sort of passion or pleasure in whatever form that is. For her, it's that sort of obsessive like love of she'll do anything for him. But mm-hmm. um, which kind of ends up it's just he's a great like you're saying the '80s trope of like the doofy kind of dad, you know, like the all yeah. shucks whatever is perfect against this backdrop to be like, I am repulsed by that now because I am in pursuit of the truly erotic where pain and pleasure mix together sort of thing. And it's like, yeah, that's terrifying for that normal vanilla man because he is a normal vanilla man. (laughs) And well, he never has to really encounter it, right? Like he's there to just be used by the narrative, which is one of the things I don't, particularly low we'll get to that in a second uh on because the he gets done dirty it's not great he gets done dirty uh because yes they do it seems like they probably had a fine marriage initially i mean the fact that frank shows up a week before the marriage and she's just like wow yeah this is so fucking hot uh shows that like she has she has that desire inside of her right and then uh i think when she's with larry uh she's she's left wanting right because like there's a line For that sure. frank says about larry later it says he died years ago um <laughs> the he's been dead for years something like that yeah. like the, the message is like those characters that are in pursuit of those things find like larry's life and his his pleasures to be like pathetic and insufficient correct you know? uh so that's kind of like their <laughs> but idea. They're of also him. a skinless maniac. Who has yes. No. So who you know? Come on. <laughs> it's also just his perspective always. Yeah. Uh, the reason I say that he does he gets done dirty is because the they're getting like Kirsty. Larry sends Kirsty to like check on Julia because he notices that weird things are going on. Is because Julia has been bringing home random men to sacrifice to Frank. Yes. Um, Kirsty goes and she sees her bringing in a man and he goes, she goes and she runs into Frank and has to fight him off and ends up with the lament configuration and runs off. Uh, and they're wondering what to do because they're like, Oh, the cops and shit are going to yeah. come. But so they gotta, they gotta like resolve this whole thing now. And so when Larry comes home, what happens Bye. is they kill Larry yeah. And Frank puts on Larry's skin, completing his transformation back into human. But we don't actually see any of that. Um, Correct. It's kept off screen, I guess, to be more of a surprise for when Kirsty. 
Dee gets home and like, but no we know way, that's that's though. what's happening. Exactly. You know? Like the and first it's just shot like the, we get, I know it's without the, I think it's just for like the reveal that it's the reveal that it's our third Frank in the movie. Like a completely, yeah. a third actor has now become Frank in this because. <laughs> yeah. Cause Frank, Mon- Frank, the monster yes. is credited differently. Skinless than Frank. Frank and original Frank are two completely different actors. I don't know what happened, but that actor didn't. I, I bet he waited until he had filmed all of his human scenes, and they're like, "All right, now we just got to get you into like twelve hours of makeup." And he's no like, "Yeah, I'm not, do- I'm not doing that." Bye. I know your budget. You already filmed Send my human scenes. Check. You're gonna get somebody else. I'm gonna be Frank forever, and that loser is gonna be forgotten. I'm not putting on that makeup. Uh, so, hey, but you know. Yeah. So that's that's I, the movie just does not care about Larry. He's used yeah. only as. A concept to other characters and is not a real character unto himself. Uh, he is a victim in almost every sense of the word. Yeah, which is something I don't really appreciate because I yeah. like there's there's more you could have done with him. You know, I like him. He's like For sure. he does. He is like the straight man in this world of horrors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to be sacrificed, of course, right? He's yeah. not. He's not Kirstie, who's the real like the heroine. That's of the, of the big, this, That's really the big thing is of because Kirstie's there. He's not yeah. getting. You know what I mean? Like, I just I'm not a big any... fan of off-screen deaths in general. Sure, I agree with that. Uh, it yeah, it's just it it just shows that I don't know. There's just something where it's like you didn't really care about him as a character at all, and it like shows. <laughs> and it's like I <laughs> I think it was more the like it's 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 like a weird I don't want to say dramatic. It's something yeah, it's something dramatic irony of we know that it's different. So we get, like, the buildup of, like, essentially evil Larry, you know, slash new Frank sort mm-hmm. of thing just for us as an audience. Yeah, like, it's not necessarily great in terms of a character situation, but I think it was meant more just from, like, a film story perspective of, like, ah, there we go. You get the little, like, the payoff moment of seeing him fully evil now. I don't know. Which, by the way, yeah. that actor... Uh, I comp- I have fucking nobody's cast name up, and I apologize. But um, the fucking actor who plays Larry, Larry's played by Andrew Robinson. Andrew Robinson is very good in this movie because he does a yeah. great job as Larry, and he also has to play Frank. And that's he always classic. That's where you can really see. Yeah, like Frank is played by Sean Chapman. Yes. And Frank the Monster is played by Oliver Smith. Oliver Smith was good. Yes. And Sean Chapman. Everyone. I think people are good good in this movie. I like them in this movie. Yeah. I think there's some moments that Kirstie has where I'm like, "Mm." but that's some who doesn't have that. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's she gets extremely drunk and then totally sober very quick. (laughs) Um, But yes, they go into that confrontation. Uh, well that that happens. Kirstie is in the hospital from having fainted after her Seeing co- confrontation a with skinless Frank. version of her dead uncle yes. killing a man in front of her. Yeah, exactly. And in the hospital, she manages to open the little configuration very easily, Oops. and all the Cenobites show up, and they now we get to like really to be see open. them. For That's my thing. Is like yeah. from a logic perspective, I can one hundred percent see the like mythology of the box being it's this insane difficult thing but like if you want it you'll 
you'll fucking get it. Even in this movie, the, one of the first lines is after Frank buys it and walks away, the guy who sold it to him says, it's always been yours. Like, Yeah. Well, I do feel that the box is generally trying to make it towards the people it's sort that of ring want style. to be in it. Yeah, it's sort of one ring. Like, it wants to be found. It wants to be with the Well, it's the not just wants who... to be found. I think it is always trying to make it <clears throat> back towards the people that want it. Yes. That generally yeah. want it. Which is why it doesn't really make sense that Kirstie would be able to open it so easily. Because she does not want anything to do little, with it. She's a secret little, you know. She's got something going on. Um, it was a mistake. It was an accident. Uh, and they just don't and care. We even, and we know that the box genuinely is difficult to open because contrary to what I said before about everybody opening yes. it very easily, I'm remembering now that in Hellraiser 2, uh, I believe it's Hellraiser 2, there's an evil doctor who's yes. been forcing children who are good at solving puzzles to, to keep working it. on that the lament configuration because he can't manage to open it himself. Which is also great because she... This is a complete spoiler for... Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, but I don't fucking care because I like talking about it. She does open the box. She 100% gets it yeah. and the wall fucking parts or whatever and they essentially just walk right fucking by her because they go to Dr. Chenard, who is the guy. He's like, what the fuck? Like, she did it. And he's like, no. Pinhead's literally like, it's intent. Like, you gotta want it, you fucking dork. Like, don't pretend. Yeah, like, you open the box. You open the box. You're not gonna get us on a tech. Look at me. <laughs> you think I I give a shit about technicalities? <laughs> a thousand pins through my head. I'm, I'm what you call a stickler for the rule. <laughs> but, uh, to the first one again, yes. We get yeah, the- then it makes even less sense that Kirsty. I think it's a victim to them. Uh, you, know, you think she's a, a little curious. freak is what you're saying. I think saying. she's just a little curious. I, I see. I think they're liberal with who they count. I think they're like she is she's down for something. She's not fully she this is she's early in her I would definitely open the box phase. I think is the think the thinking I'm going for. I don't for. know. I probably not. She um, kisses that I, guy. It makes more <laughs> sense in the story, which yes. I guess I can talk about now. Sure. there's Because there's a couple things uh, from the movie that don't make sense. Okay. And it's because if you read the story, then you know what the real deal is. One, if this place is so bad, like how come just a couple drops of anybody's blood is able to bring Frank all the way from this demon dimension? People should be coming back from this all the time. Yeah. The reason is because in the Hellbound Heart, like what actually happens when you open the Lament configuration, right, is that the uh, the Cenobites show up and they offer you yes, uh, like invitation to their world of ultimate, of, it's ultimate experience. Experience, sensation, exactly. Like. Yeah, sensation. And when you accept, which you do have to accept, your all of your senses go into overdrive. So... Uh, they talk about like his uh, Frank's like lips chapping with every yeah. breath he takes, and like uh, the like the like the grinding of like his eyelids as he blinks and things like that. like he experiences all of his memories over again. Like his memories a thousand percent, you know. Like he every single he can feel the the dust motes oh. hit his skin. Oh. Um, they do a really good job in Hell about Clive Barker. It's does a really good job then of describing like how horrific it is and like what is actually happening. 
Uh, and it's so much that he's trying to find some amount of relief from all the, like, the intensity of everything, which is it's mostly pain, you know, because experiencing yeah. <laughs> that for us is all pain, right? To like have everything shoved up to a thousand. Uh, and he does so by trying to, to jerk off and to keep jerking off and coming onto the ground uh, and then Big dropping boomer. on his knees into his own cum. Yeah. Because uh, Clive Barker fucking rules and talks Clive about shit like that all Barker the time. Clive Barker loves talking about dicks and semen. Yeah, it's great. Um, and so when he gets taken away, his jizz is left behind. I believe Clive for true, refers to it, it as splooge. Something splooge? he likes using. I think he uses the word splooge. Probably. Um, and so when the when Larry comes up, who's named Rory in the book, and drops Boo. the blood it's into the splooge, and it mixes with that, so there is like more is. of like a DNA, like partial human left behhind aspect exactly. to it, which makes more sense why he would come back right. and not just come anybody back. who has any blood wherever they were. He came yeah. back. He came. He literally came back. That's. Uh, <laughs> And then Kirsty's also not uh, Rory's daughter in in the story. She's a she's, she's a she's a very good friend who is in love with him and was rejected. Oh shit! Yeah, that's right. Which even though the the line "Come to Daddy" that yeah. Frank continues to utter towards Kirsty later, um, it's still that's still the line. Yep. Uh, and it just makes more sense in the movie because it was changed to her being his. That's that's one skin oh. suit's daughter, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what a yeah. what a horrid thing to have said. Um, yeah, yes, so that's absolutely. so that to me helps explain a lot more like how the Cenobites work, you know, and like what's going absolutely. on and why they why it's not just like torture. Like they are actually doing anything. They're considered the uh, the priests of the Order of the Gash. Yeah, uh, they're they're <laughs> off doing extra dimensional like experiments into greater amounts of nice. experience, which, you know? by the way, um, if you see a character referenced as hell priest, that is Pinhead. Pinhead and hell priest are the same thing. Oh. It's just that Clive Barker wanted a name that wasn't fucking Pinhead for like <laughs> his main character thing. So he was like, I'll call them hell priest. Because they're just yes. the lead. They're just one of the Cenobites in the Hellbound Heart. Like, yeah. it's not specific as to like who is. It's like the still. It's still the main Cenobite. Correct. I think it's like uh, lead, but Cenobite. she's a woman in in the yeah. In described the as like having the voice close to like a little girl almost. Like, mm. there's it's a lot more androgyny and sort of right. gender fluidity with the Cenobites um, in that, and yeah. also in the one that's coming out. In like four days. Yep. Because, yeah. That is part of why we're doing this one, because yes. there is a new Hellraiser coming out very soon, which mm-hmm. you we should expect an episode on, because that's coming out on Hulu. Yes. Hulu, October 7th. Yes. Uh, Doug Bradley famously plays Pinhead, uh, credited as the lead Cenobite. Uh, there are three others that show up in this. One of them's the Chatterer. Yes. Credited as Chattering Cenobite. <laughs> Uh, really feeling the creativity here, Clive. Yeah, he's uh, he just has like his his lips are peeled back to really show off his teeth, and he's got like no eyes, and his teeth just just are like chattering the whole. Yeah, time. Yeah, like it's... his gums are very visible. It's great. He is their muscle. Yeah. I realized he is yeah, the one who he, does he, all he, the physical stuff in there. Yeah, he's definitely the muscle. Yeah, 
there's also Butterball. Yes. Uh, credited as Butterball Cenobite. That's incredible. Uh, it was, was just the fat one. He is the fat Cenobite. He has sunglasses, he a, which is awesome. <laughs> but he is the most edge. I mean, he's, he's like. He's the one where, like, uh... He is a producer's <laughs> nephew who wrote, I get to be the cool sunglasses set of it. And they're like, I would guess. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> no, he... What? No, I... No, Are it's inappropriate to, to be... Just to make mean oh, weight jokes sense. about about Butterball. He's fine. Um, His he, eyes are he does so do a, shut or whatever. They're fucked up. Well, he's got... Oh, you do Thumbs see that. This. He takes them his, off. His sunglasses pop off at some point, yeah. and he, he has sewn, uh, sewn eyes. And he does, like, gross, like, lick his lips thing. I know. Yeah, like, he's a weirdo. Yeah. And there's also uh, credited female Cenobite, which is just called the female, I believe. is like, the canonical. Name. Man. Really? <laughs> they, have, they have the same character right. in The Voice. That's for true. Kimiko's yeah. good. I like Kimiko. Anyway. Well, they, they they updated her name in the show. Correct. In the, in she, the, oh yeah, she's in just the original the, comics. She's just the female. The female. Uh, that's what happens when you have these boys clubs. Skiwa. <laughs> yep. And so that brings us to Kirsty. They show up. They're like, Kirsty, you're coming with us, and she's like, No. Um, this is this scene is also where like all of the cool Cenobite lines are. Like, yeah. he starts yeah. off with a fucking banger and just has, like, seven more bangers in this entire, like, sequence. It's great. Anyway. Um, yeah, they're going with them. This is where he says, like, you you opened the box and we the came. The box, you opened it and we came. Which turned yeah. into a massive Dead by Daylight meme because yeah. Pinhead is available in that game as a killer. And he was one of the first ones to have, like, voice lines. They don't. They were all, like, silent. They had grunts or whatever. But Pinhead is famous for, he's a verbo, he's a fucking verbal, you know, he speaks. Um, he's an orator. And they changed it because the, the original line is the box, you opened it, we came. And so he's, he's alone, Pinhead is alone as a killer. So the line goes, the box, you opened it. I came and everyone just immediately went to town with having that audio bite available. Yep. Um, which actually is also very they, fitting they, for Pinhead. They took it out, right? They took it out and then they put him back in. Cause the the sound bite? Yeah. They okay. they people were immediately like, Are you fucking kidding me? And they went, sorry. Like, it's fine. Yeah, they're like, fine. It's okay. <laughs> uh Kirstie's like, you can get you uh Frank escaped and you don't even know about it. You should take him instead, I can bring him to you. <laughs> And they're like, yeah, cool. Uh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and they threaten her. Yeah. With like, what will happen if she betrays them? But I'm like, you're about to do the worst that you could possibly do to her. There's no worse thing that you can like. We'll you're just me nothing keep doing right it. Now. We'll do it anyways. But I'm like, but you're going to do it anyways anyways. So what are we? What are we even talking about here? They were jerking Kirsty around. They were playing with Kirsty because they. Spoil, you know, after this, they get to Frank and they, and there's a fucking incredible, that's whole scene is great from the meme, the memeage of the chatterer doing a light one-handed push 
to get Frank back into the middle is very funny to me. I don't know. It's such a casual move, and yeah. he fucking like, gets it with him. There's, you can't. They're not very interactive special effects. To the, you know, to the unironically great final line from Frank, which he is completely covered in, a fi- in fucking fish hooks on chains, including multiple ones on his face that have stretched out to this, like, great, this yeah. really unsettling, like, cool effect. And he just looks at Kirsty and, like, smiling and laughing is just like, Jesus wept. And then explodes from all yeah. of the chains pulling him apart. Like Right before that, I think he's still, like, licking his lips. Oh, yeah. it's just like, wow, dude, yeah. you, are, you are crazy. You, you belong to these people. <laughs> like, yes, you belong no, here. You actually sought them out. Yeah. Like, it makes sense that he belongs with them. He opened the box. He, he signed the contract, basically. Exactly. Like, he yes. belongs in that world. It does not make sense that they keep going after Kirsty. They just like souls. They're a little, you know. Yeah. They also... Uh, so basically, I mean, it's that Julia's going to go turn Frank into them and she shows up and Frank has already taken her daddy's uh, skin suit, mm-hmm. killing him. That's where we don't get to see the kill. Um, and that's when she manages to turn like he goes to stab her after he's unable to convince her that she that he is her. Yeah, the jig, is, the, is, the, the situation has been revealed. Yeah. Like, yeah, we, she she doesn't believe that he's Larry. Um and he accidentally stabs Julia when trying to yes. get to Kirsty, uh, but does not care about it at all. Way. Um, I don't know what he says to her, but it's basically like it's just business. You know? like, <laughs> Nothing uh, personnel, kid. <laughs> it, Julia is, is that, I like the line that she gives because she's uh, she's like screaming, not me. Yes. Like, no, not yeah, me. Yeah, it's very, it's very it's good. Like, oof. Uh, and then, so then they get up to the attic and Kirsty is able to get Frank over to them because he has admitted to all of his plans and everything, mm-hmm. and what he, who he is and what he's done. And they take him and then they're like, where are you going? Cause they start chasing <laughs> her through the house. Uh, she finds Julia on the bed, like ripped open Face and like hooked open. Yeah. Holding the lament configuration. So that's another one. She definitely gets taken by them. Like in the second movie, yep. she's also down in the, in wherever they are. Um, I forget what they call it, but yeah. So it's like they forced her to open the the box like separately <laughs> off screen because she's it, holding they frame it. Frame jobbed it to make sense. yeah. See, she definitely. <laughs> she also opened it. She's coming with us. <laughs> Just planning evidence everywhere. Yeah, they're getting lazier and lazier are, with who they pull into they these boxes. Take everybody. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and well, so Kirsty well, takes the box through. from Julia. Yes. And has it now. Uh, we should also mention that in the hospital when she initially opened it, she did go into their world for a second before they showed up and got chased out by this crazy looking thing. Yeah. Just like a special effects monster you definitely, crawling through the hallway. You definitely could not see people behind it pushing it in certain shots. You definitely couldn't I, see that. I just like to say that, that you couldn't see the whole body Correct. and that it was like a very grotesque long... Complicated. I like the engineer. And not just people in all black pushing along something on some sort of track. I am saying this out of love. I like the engineer. I think it's very cool and creepy and upsetting. You can see dudes walking. (laughs) I will say this is the first time I've ever noticed them before. Correct. Yeah. Uh, every other time I watch, I mean, it's just cool because you're focused on the face. It's got like one of those gross, gooey face, monster faces, and it like look, it reminds me of like a better. Oh, better in it's like a higher budget, like basket case. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a basket yeah. case face. I don't even know how to describe what it looks like, honestly, uh, without using God. too many words. Um, but so normally I'm looking at that. It was just this first time I just mm-hmm. was like, let me, what's back Just caught him, yeah. Like, oh, people push See the shadow of them. You're like, oh, hey. Uh, and then here at the end, um, Kirsty's getting past all the centibytes by like reverse closing the puzzle box. Yes. Uh, her her love interest shows up, who does really nothing in the movie, but the love he interest is there. He gets to kiss Kirstie, which, hey, yeah. good for uh, him. He's there, and she's very happy he's there, and it is nice to see somebody show up in this hell world. There is an incredibly funny moment on literally the last one when they send the engineer back because they open the door. Everyone's getting pwned they, super hard. Uh, Butterball doesn't even get sent back. He takes his glasses off, and then the building collapses on him, and he just falls yeah. over. Um, but she gets the box back because she's fighting with the engineer to get it back. And I think his name is Dave or David or something like that. Um, he literally moves a hand over to try and help her. And she goes, fuck off. Like she she doesn't say anything, but she like looks and is like, get away. Like she's actually like, you don't know what you're doing. I literally know how to close this puzzle box. We have zero time. (laughs) There is a monster. It was just this perfect reaction to like this unwarranted help. And it was just, fuck you. (laughs) And then she closes it and sends the engineer back home. Yes. And they're outside and everything's fine. Now they managed to close the box. And it's like, (laughs) there are two possible things that happen here. The way I've always considered it, okay. which is they take the box over to an empty lot where there's a few things on fire to try to, to get rid of it. Including a standing or, chair, a solo standing chair is yes. completely on fire. <laughs> or is it that there's an implication of that the house burned down and that empty lot that they're at is the ruins of the house? Oh, this is the first time I, I really considered think of that. Well, because you have the house, it looks fine. Like the lighting from inside looks kind of fiery, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then they overlay, uh, like with half opacity, a picture of Frank burning. Uh, and then all of a sudden, they're at an empty lot where there's several items on fire, which is why it would make more sense that it's like a standing chair and things like that. Yeah. You know? They have zero budget. So I wouldn't put it above them to try to get away with something like that. But just like the background doesn't look I was right going to say, either. I think that that feels unmatched like that that feels in my mind they different. just went over to a lot where people were burning some stuff you Probably. know that's fine. Um, don't worry about it. It, it, but this is it's, fine. yes it's i'm uncertain about what the intention was they throw the, the you, box into the fire <laughs> and there was a houseless person who had been seen a couple times before like eating crickets and stuff <laughs> Uh, just just out and about, uh, and he shows up and he catches on fire while picking up the box, but clearly unaffected by mm-hmm. it, and turns into like a giant uh, dragon demon a thing of only bone. Skeletal dragon. Skeletal That's dragon exactly demon thing. Exactly what he turns into and holding he, uh, the box. <laughs> holding the box and he flies away, and then we see a. A scene that's of the place from the the first scene with the uh, the the same man selling the box to a new person. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it was a good it's a good little thing. Um, the only thing that's not in the story, by the way. That no. that guy with the the demon thing. And, I don't know if that's dragon. supposed to be the devil, and it actually is hell. Or great. I don't know what. I love all of it. I no notes on anything. Yeah. I don't know what that's um, about. The only thing I wanted to kind of touch back on which i noticed this time around um or at least was paying attention a little bit more 
Um, very clearly from our descriptions of the novella and that sort of stuff, the sort of intersection of sex and violence mm. as physical representations of the meshing of pain and pleasure um, are still mm. kind of present here. There's one very specifically, Julia is remembering the affair she had with Frank. Yeah. And at the same time, Larry is moving their mattress up yeah. to, uh, first of all, having a tough time getting the mattress to where it's supposed to be is a potential like veiled thing of like, Oh, Larry's having difficulty, oh. and that's you know, it could be that that one. I'm oh. I'm stretching no, that, that one a little. That bit. makes sense. But, I mean, like for the shit that people normally stretch, exactly. I think that one's perfectly valid. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, I'm now 100. percent The next you, whatever theory you have next, you have. I will give you so much leeway <laughs> with it. Don't worry about it. Um, but during that, they're intercutting the thrusts, which I think they had to specify yeah. only two naked butt thrusts of uh Frank with Julia sense. or three would have gotten them an X rating, but right. um, they're intercutting that with the close up of Larry's hand as he's trying to move it. It's sort of a same thrusting like sort of motion. And the intersection is when Julia and Frank finish and come have an, go to get to orgasm. That's when he, that's when Larry scrapes his hand in a cool yeah. little effect on the nail. So literally a physical representation of, pain and pleasure being the same thing in here um yeah and they do a good job of like cutting between those, those yeah scenes. it's like it's kirsty trying to fix the sink yeah trying to use the sink and julia thinking it's like julia upstairs thinking the flashback she's thinking about and larry moving the yeah couch. there's All a lot of moving of those parts like, yeah but it like works real well absolutely because you know? i think the uh, i think the uh Water explodes at a similar time to everything else also going on. Yeah, and gets Kirsty all wet. I don't know what the uh, the symbolism is there. Metaphor. Um, so, well, yeah. uh, something I did hear somebody talk about when I was like looking, reading more about this. Um, there's one thing that I don't really. So, talking about like stretches for uh, like symbolism, okay. right? One thing people talk about is that a lot of these '80s films have like a uh, a male antagonist. And a female protagonist that defeats them with a phallic object, usually being the knife. Okay. Uh, I think using the knife as a phallic object and saying that somebody's stabbing somebody is like a like a you know Freudian thing like that. I don't. I think that's a that's a fucking stretch to the, me. Like, I the, don't find this symbolism compelling. You know, the penetration aspect of it is the yeah. only thing that for me gives that's it a little a, bit more credence. But like, that one, I'm just exactly like, like, like what do we, come on, what is eh, this? Like, yeah. Eh. Uh, <laughs> what does make it more interesting is that like Clive Barker being somebody who usually likes to turn things on its head. Yes. Uh, the idea that Kirsty defeats everybody through like the closing of a box rather than through a phallic object, you know, like um, uh, using more feminine imagery uh, as she yeah. like, um, proceeds through the house to Ooh. escape. So like, regardless of whether I find the, uh, like the phallic imagery compelling, the idea of turning it on its head by doing something like that is a little bit more interesting. Absolutely. Still. I mean, all that's kind of stretch, stretch yeah. kind of a stretch. <laughs> I think me, it's you know? okay. I, I, I see. I hundred percent see where you're going. Um, no. The only, my only final point I wanted to bring up was uh, I mentioned before that Pinhead has some like crazy good lines in this movie, and he absolutely does. Yeah, yeah. But 
what I was surprised by on this kind of watch through, uh, or on this viewing, was how like succinct a lot of the dialogue is. Mm-hmm. Like, I could have sworn people were more verbose in this movie, like the last time I saw it, and not really. Like, nope. it's a, it's a credit to because Clive Barker's a good fucking writer, exactly. Yeah. A lot of the points come across in their things, and also a lot of the nonverbal acting like Hori was talking about that montage of the set of things julia's like reminiscence of that affair mm-hmm. is oh yeah so fucking like i can't julia look away from claire higgins when she's doing it. it's so fucking good julia in general you know oh, yeah. exactly how she feels about larry how she feels yeah. about frank her obsession with frank uh like the exact point in which it is like lust versus love. Yeah. Uh, how she feels about killing all of the people. Um, all, all of that completely nonverbal from her. Exactly. At no point does she say any of this stuff. Like the links that she'll go to for Frank is shown verbally before it's shown physically. Absolutely. Yeah. And the turmoil Not verbally, she has. Uh, like in her face yeah. non-verbally before it's shown physically. Even the turmoil she has about like her mixed feelings on Larry are very yeah. plainly clear during all of that and how they evolve over the course of it is fascinating uh, yeah no it's just fucking it's a shame great. that uh clive barker wasn't allowed to make more movies i think he had a large part <sighs> in nightbreed is that right yeah nightbreed was a whole like that's that's what we're gonna have to do yes honestly because it's it's low-key kind of awesome um it got it it got but, fucked down sexual style on its production. Like it got it was not good. It got done yeah. dirty. You know what I mean? Cronenberg's in it. David Cronenberg is in it. <laughs> yeah, I think uh yeah. So Clive Barker wrote and directed Nightbreed okay. that was based off of one of his uh books. And he got fucked by the studio and because they fucked it, it did really poorly mm-hmm. and it's just like a really a- amazing thing that, you know, at all based off the novel cabal that's what it was cabal it all went sour okay. and so because of that is like why he didn't keep doing movies yeah it seems is, he got like disillusioned it, by yeah it's completely the studio's that. fault because yeah. like the the deal with that one is like he it was more of like he as a writer after books of blood he very quickly goes into dark fantasy yeah or and then just stays there it's a shame uh, and so they wanted they wanted hellraiser again but it's like no this is like a nice dark fantasy <laughs> this is like thing. different this isn't what you yeah. want uh so that's where that although that from. features like a serial killer and a bunch of fucked up shit well yeah it's still clive barker you know but it's like <laughs> the the mo- there's a million monsters and they're like the good guys yes right? it's, it's an epic tale in there you, have you seen it yet no, I had to leave when we were when the gang yeah. was watching it. So yeah, yeah. Well, I fell asleep towards the end. So we'll, to, we'll, we'll watch it. Uh, Jokes on you, Clyde. Sit on it because uh, well, no, that was my fault. I'd been of drinking course. all day. This okay. so. Uh, but yes, that is Hellraiser. Do you have any anything else? It's for that? it's such a like. It's so interesting to me watching it. How how good the concept is and how simple it is because I'm thinking about the world and the like ideas and exploration of it more when we've, we covered the, you know, toe to tip, like everything that's in here, 
You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we covered the movie. The movie is just it's 93 minutes. It's it makes it past the legal limit of a great runtime. But because the idea is so innovative and interesting, at least in its execution, um, that you just sit wanting more of it. It's why I'm so excited about the new one because it looks like yeah. it's an actual Hellraiser script and not right. just here's a script we've had in development hell. Let's put a pinhead in it and. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they did for like four of those sequels. You know what I mean? Like so they funny. just had another script. And anyway, yeah, that was that was my main point. It was just I like it still yeah, sits I mean, with me how interesting and like. What's funny is you hear about it, and that's the thing is like Hellraiser's like it it has its place in our culture and the zeitgeist not from the movie. The movie is like good yeah. and considered and loved loved by horror people, but it's it's pinhead. Yeah. The idea of the Cenobites, the Lament configuration, all that's that's what won in its place. Absolutely. Not, not just like the movie. Uh, so, with that, um, <laughs> I want to thank Eyes Vistoria for a wonderful theme song, Dead Walk. Yes. Melanie for running our Instagram. You can find Melanie or John from Eyes Vistoria on thebloodystream.com. Like, by that, I mean the other episodes have been on the podcast people section of that website, thebloodystream.com. Which again, you can find where to stream movies there. Yes. Which which streaming services there? It's very important to go there. Um, Yes. I will also say, maybe this week, but definitely later in the month. Check in after Mondays because we will be having bonus episodes this fucking month because fucking Halloween, and we want aiming. Yeah, we're aiming for two episodes a week. Yes. Not not one per day. Walk off with that. And we already missed yes. two of them. <laughs> we already would have missed two. And dude, falling behind it all makes it impossible yeah. to catch up from what we saw last, <laughs> last, last, last year. But, yeah. But two per week, all right? That's a good compromise. Everybody shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Big shouts out to our sister podcast, Downtime with John and Emily, the how-to podcast by siblings who don't know anything. You can find them on getdowny.com or on social media at Downey Siblings, D-O-W-N-E-Y, siblings as in brother and sister. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at BloodyStreamPod, and we'll talk to you, same bloody time, same bloody channel.